Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern businesses talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, my sister, Juliet Ori. Well, hello. <laughs> That was a sexy voice. Very good. Our guest this week is Danny Lopez, CEO of award-winning cybersecurity firm Glasswall, which delivers unique protection against sophisticated threats through its groundbreaking technology. We'll talk about that later. It's very interesting. Danny has also enjoyed a very successful career in banking, marketing, and diplomacy, something you won't see me in, which has included being British Consul General to New York, Director General for Trade and Investment across North America, CEO of London and Partners and Managing Director for the Marketing in the UK Government's Department for International Trade. Highly impressive. And to top it off, Danny also spent 10 years at Barclays holding senior banking roles in London, New York, Miami, and Mumbai. We're in very good company indeed. Danny, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to be here. Oh, woohoo! Fucking CV though, seriously. I mean, they would never let me in to do any of those jobs. But I mean, that's that's an you, you've really walked both sides of the fence, shall we say? Well, it's what everybody seems to call a non-linear career, which I think is another way of saying every two or three years he's got bored and he's moved on to something else. But I've always found it extremely interesting, and it's been an incredible ride so far. What's keeping you busiest then at the moment? Gosh, at the moment, obviously with Glasswall and everything that is going on in the world right now, cyber threats. Is what everybody's talking about. Yeah. They're very real, and we play a very big role in helping keep organizations safe. So, yeah. Let's, I mean, let's start there. How does Glasswall work then? So, the best way to describe what we do, we deal with, uh, we're a software company, and we help organizations stay safe by ensuring that we deal with what we call file-based threats. So you receive files, you receive attachments, and more and more there's just bad stuff in them that the bad the baddies, the bad guys put into these files. What we do is we take the file. We don't care about what's bad, which frankly is what everybody else cares about. That's what antivirus is trying to do, is trying to find the bad stuff that they can remediate. We don't care about what's bad. We care about what's good. So we know what a file that's good should look like. And in milliseconds, we take that file, we rebuild it based on the original compliance spec that, that file had. The visual layer never changes and the user ends up opening a clean, safe file. The user doesn't even know this is happening because it's literally a millisecond or two before the file gets rebuilt. Let's go backwards. Yeah. Uh, this illustrious career. Did it start at McDonald's somewhere? No. Uh, what was your first proper job? Come on, you must have, someone's got to have done it. No, no, hold on. I, he, you need to get into your heritage because your heritage is relatively interesting. Just, so rel first... just relatively. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, I'll, I'll decide. I've, I've heard the hype. <laughs> I need the life story. I mean, Danny, you have got an amazing like so, journey uh, and you have crossed. So, so I'm hoping you can all give us lots of career advice as we sit here. Oh, no, I'm sure I can't. But um, English mother, Spanish father, grew up in Spain in a city in the northeast of the country called Zaragoza. So, you know, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you know how in where's North Galicia? Is that no, the, well, that is the north, but that's the northwest. That's this northwest. is this is on the other side. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's right in the middle between Madrid and Barcelona. Anyway, lived there until I was 18 and came over to the UK and studied. Just to visit? N well, no, I came over to, uh, to study uh, at 18 and I went to University of Essex and did economics. And then I stayed there and did another year for international economics as a master's. And then I joined what was then an amazing 
um, graduate program with Barclays. You know, those were the days when banks would say, we'll invest in you for four or five years. And so it's, Yeah, what happened to that? The banks just had lots of money and things were good back then. Well, I they? think what happened is that, I mean, you know, I guess rightly so, banks realized that they were investing all this money in people and then they'd get to the end of the graduate program and then they just left. Right. So I think at some point they said, well, you know. Being in the bank sort of stopped being, is a sort of real co- career. It feels now to say, oh, I'm in a bank, unless you're a trader or something. I know, I know, It's I know. a bit of a sort of dead end. I know, I know, like, I know. But oh, in those okay. days, I mean. It was you know, the thing was, to do. Oh my God. I mean, you know, this was when did I started Barclays, 96. Jesus, yeah. this is when I met you, Danny. This is, now I'm feeling really old. That's when I left uh, school. Yeah, that's when you were born. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that must make sense. Oh, I left school at 18, <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> and so I joined Barclays and did... Um, you were fast-tracked up through the ranks, if I recall. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, I'll take that you, too. You, no, but you were amazing. <laughs> you have this incredible charm and charisma. Oh, well, well, well. And, and I spent, I mean, the, the great thing about that is that I spent a year in what they call the branch network, you know, go out and spend spend a year, which was absolutely the right How thing to do. How was your English when you arrived? It was good because... Because of your mum? Because of my mum, yeah. I spoke yeah, to you yeah, in English yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Barclays a few years, and that was a lot of fun. I did a bit of branch um, work. I did, could you open bank accounts back then? I could. Oh, my God, businesses? yeah. I was, I was doing personal banking in Hitch in Hertfordshire. It was, and Stevenage, and Bottas Bar, and I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I loved it because it was just chatting to people, basically. Yeah, nice. So it was really a lot of fun. So they did a, four, what, four-year graduate? So it's four years, which basically involved a bit of branch network, a bit of corporate banking, and then this was the best part. They sent me to Miami. And, yeah, I saw that, you and bastard. I, and I spent, I spent what was supposed to be He's nine so months strange. in Miami, and I just uh, somehow managed to convince them to turn those nine months into 18 months because I was having so much fun. Yeah, and Miami was just perfect That's for me because really it was just like, you know, speaking in Spanish, speaking, it was just crazy. And the business was essentially doing, it was all about Latin America. So I, I was living in Miami, work was Latin America, and I honestly didn't speak a word of English in my 18 months there. I bet. Yeah. And actually, every time I go to Miami, it happened particularly badly when I was in the middle of my accounting exams in Slough, and I was miserable. And then I went to Miami, and I got really annoyed for a few days, because every meal, it's like steak and lobster. Everything's just over the top, and all the women are ridiculously hot porn models, as far as I can work out. That's, that's what it is. Everyone's wearing a bikini, and they're all smoking, well, and it's just—it's too much, and you get really irritated with it. So I got really irritated with like, why are they bringing me all this food? It's a waste for society. And after by day two, you're like. I like it here. <laughs> I'll have a steak and lobster uh, for breakfast this day. And you just fuck it off. You start, you stop recycling. You just like, fuck it. You know, I'm in. I, just... I loved it. People always used to say to me, oh, the thing about Miami is that after six months, you really miss, you know, culture. Honestly, <laughs> maybe I've just got no culture, but I just missed nothing. I was very happy there. Probably helps with Spanish because there's a Cuban culture. There's yeah, well, there was everything, like, right? There was a de- Cuban, de- and Puerto Rican, de- and Dominican, de- and yeah. yeah, Mexican, Argentina. I mean, it was, you know, it was actually for me. How it did was you just, leave? I know. It was, it, was just, it was also such an amazing education into South America because, yeah, know, what a have, place to see yeah, it. From. The best of Latin there. It was an amazing job because actually the job really was to do that, but really the job was to go to the States and convince banks in the States that when they had clients that needed help in the UK, they should give us the business. How did you go from the bank to being in charge of Inwin Investment though? Where did you, you're not supposed to start as the bellboy or something. How <laughs> well, I've done, done my This stuff. is Danny's whole... This is Danny's whole... I've got something horrible. Well, it's why I 
nice try and hang out with him. I'm hoping it catches and, you know. Very understated. You, you reverse sell, do you? I don't want the job. Give him the job. Give him the job. <laughs> okay, he doesn't want I'll it. I'll try, I'll try. <laughs> but seriously, how did you go from the bank to being like, it's the commercial arm of the British government, but still, you know. Like, so from the bank to the government? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so my last role at the bank was essentially, you know, convincing people to send us investment that we would bank. And I did okay. a lot of that. And yeah. in my, you know, on my travels, I used to see a lot of people in the British government who said, well, actually, we do the same, but for the country. But we don't pay much. <laughs> fancy, <laughs> fancy doing it for government, queen but, and country. But, but, we watched the James Bond at the weekend and we feel bloody good about it. And, and yeah, and that's what I did. Union Jack on the pants all round. And I felt really good about it. And actually, it, honestly, I thought I'll try this for a year. And I spent what, three and a half years doing it. It was amazing. It was a global role. And yeah, but you're still skipping the bit. But he's How did I get it? Like, yeah, but you got. You didn't just get. You didn't get. Oh, come and work for you. Were like, oh, be in charge of it. You know, it's, it's sort of. Yeah. You seem to have skipped the shit jobs. <laughs> there's no McDonald's. There's no Paperboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, I guess the story of the bank, you know, resonated. Anyway, and somebody it, said, it yeah, happened. give it a shot. Give and it a shot. Did. And it worked. And I loved it. I think it's an amazing organization, DIT. I defend them every moment I get when people are sort of, you know, they get real, every year they get reorganized because some political reasons means that it gets passed down the civil service. Yeah. I'd love to be the person who gets that message each yeah. year. They're saying they want to cut your funding by 10% and you should reorganize. It's like, that's <laughs> what they've said to me for 50 well, fucking years. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I saw that happen a number of times. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah. they're a great organization. It's amazing. I mean, you know, this is... Yeah, I, I honestly can't speak highly enough of everybody who does this role. You know, they're just, everybody passionately believes that they can help overseas-based companies expand over here and British companies make that, it overseas. Mad. No, no other government pays for other companies from overseas companies to come to the UK. And it's to, you want to talk about open markets. Like Britain is by far the most open market. You know, the company can be owned by anyone. We, we've got an office in your local town telling you, come on. And, you know, we're like, we we I'd love it. It's like uh, like capitalism is almost like a dirty word, but like that's capitalism to yeah. me. You know, and that's what I loved about it. You know, this was essentially being really commercial, going out to countries and convincing. It really wasn't that hard because, as you say, no other country was doing it. But you know, just basically showing them the UK really meant business, and you know, who do they have fronting it? People who understand business, and it was great. Absolutely loved it. You know, tremendous. The thing I've got to put in here because this is also so Danny gets this grand job. I'm regularly going to New York, and I decide I must go and say hello to Danny. So Danny said, "Oh, well, you can pop round my apartment." I was like, "I'd love to pop round your apartment." This is what when he was in the British Consul General yes! to New York, which has been around since before America existed in 1857. This was, but I've got to tell you the story of this one. You know, you asked earlier about how do you get this these roles. This was the one that I mean, it really surprised me. So the Foreign Office decided that they wanted the next British Consul General to New York to be somebody who was not a career diplomat, which is what. Yeah, traditionally the role the role had always gone to a career diplomat. And to be fair, this is something that Cameron and Haig had really been pushing. So the Foreign Office decided, okay, well, we'll do it and it'll be New York. And so they, you know, advertised the role in the Sunday Times and they went out to headhunters. And I got a call and the call was essentially, look, we don't think you'll get it because A, we think that they are saying that they want to appoint somebody from the outside, but they weren't. But 
if they were to be, if they were to appoint somebody from the outside, we reckon you've got a shot. Not the best shot, but you've got a shot. So I was like, well, you know, you've put it, I mean, you've made this really, yeah. really enticing. So yes, of course I'll go for it. Anyway, so um, it was actually a relatively quick process, you know, sort of three rounds of interviews and we sort of got to the last four. And at the time, I was actually working for London and Partners, which is the official promotional agency for London, which I'd set up when Boris was mayor. And I went to see Boris because I, had to, I was about to become the CEO of London and Partners, which we'd just set up. And I was in the running for this incredible opportunity in New York. And so I went to see him and I said, look, obviously you know how loyal I am to this role, but this has happened. I have to tell you where I am. I'm in the last four. And he kind of laughed and he's like, you're not going to get it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> thank you for that vote of confidence. Um, Did he really? Yeah. yeah. But he meant it in a sort of just, just like I've described, you know, he's like, you're not going to get it because don't, like worry, mate, don't waste my time. Because be they're not going to give it to you. You know, like there's just, they've never Dave, really done stuff like that. It is the best job to get in the DIT. I mean, like it is the pinnacle of your career. Yeah, they've got their own fucking that building. I was looking it up. It Britain's was, it was amazing. building for like it was, 200 it was years. You know. So anyway, to cut a very long story short, I got it. Boris was wrong. I had, Again, to go, Boris. I had to go to Boris and say, you were wrong. I got it. I'm off. <laughs> Did he laugh again? <laughs> yeah, he was great, actually. Really, really good. And um, and off I went. And I spent five years in what was, you know, I mean, I can't the even tell you. I, I must, it was such it a privilege. Was it on Fifth Avenue? Yeah, no, it was on, on First Avenue. It was 51st and First. Literally, this penthouse, I remember it had its own leaf. The man outside had white gloves. It was I incredible. I believe it I was, was allowed in. It was incredible. But, I mean, there's no but because the five years were absolutely unbelievable. Remember that this is the place where I also used to host you know, all of the events for the UK government. And, you know, it was a relentless five years. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. But over five years, I hosted just over 1,000 events. Oh my God, in your so home. So you're, you're on. You're in your home. And you're in your, so you're on all the time, right? Because it's breakfast, like parties. Like, yeah, you need, to, I mean, if you're not a social animal. And, and I actually find this, you know, really interesting. Are you an extrovert? Technically, that means I you mean, get your energy from straight. Yeah, I mean, from I enjoy being I enjoy being with people. But I, one of the things that I used to find really interesting is that I, and you find this in the foreign office because I mean you know, I've, I've been privileged to come across so many amazing people. But what I found always very interesting is that not everybody in the foreign office is an extrovert, and you know their job is to be with people yeah. all of the time. And I always used to sort of find this really bizarre because I was like, well, if you don't love being with people and the energy, then you shouldn't really be doing this role. Uh. So, Danny, please, you must have had some failures. You must have gone wrong at some point. Have you ever made any bad decisions? Oh, I'm, I mean, how long have we got? Um, so, yeah, so many times. Uh, you know, one, um, I was actually thinking about it as we were talking about, you know, you need to spend money to show that the UK is at its best and these sorts of things. When I was, um, my first role in government, when I was the essentially global marketing director for what is now the Department for International Trade, I basically made a call that we had to impress people internationally. And, you know, you impress them by spending money on stuff that they're going to like. So I told them about this flat I was going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I remember talking to, I can't remember where, you know, it was one of our teams in either Japan or Korea. It was somewhere in Asia. And they said, oh, well, one of the things that we do is we, we host um, golf events with, you know, CEOs and senior execs. And whilst we're playing with them and we're hosting them, we tell them about the UK 
And then, you know, hopefully that'll convince them to spend some time. That all sounded great. I was like, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll um, we'll spend some money on um, coming up with UKTI, which was the predecessor to DIT, UKTI branded golf balls. So when you're hosting these events, you can give them... You know, the, it's got a nice crest, the UKTI. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. It looks Beautiful royal. Crest. Exactly. It's lovely, it's amazing. lovely royal crest. I was like, so we'll, you know, we'll, 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 um, we'll have a few of these, um, and we'll send them out to you. And then at the end of your event, you know, you present them with this amazing balls. Yeah, with the, all these <laughs> balls. <laughs> and anyway, so we started doing that, and it went down really well. So we kept sending them all these balls, and it was all great. And as I say, the feedback was fantastic. And then, I don't know, maybe maybe a year, two years later, it was beginning of 2008, so obviously things were getting a little tough. I can't even remember who it was, but um, who was in power. So Labour was in power, therefore it would have been um, a Conservative MP, somebody in opposition, was at some golf club in Surrey. And somehow he was kind of looking for his ball and he picked up this other ball and it was one of these UKTI branded balls. Somehow, you know, it had made its way from, you know, Seoul to, I don't know, working. So he picks up this ball and he was just like, okay, what is this? UKTI spending money branding golf balls. Ah. So of course, you know, it It'll triggered, off. oh my God, did it kick off? And so it triggered this, you know, all these questions. And I think um, Lord Man- <clears throat> Lord Mandelson was in charge of what was... Oh, yeah, for people who don't department. like the fact we waste money in the UKTI yeah, and exactly. say we don't need it, they see we're branding so golf So this balls. was essentially seen as government wasting money during the crisis on some stupid golf balls nobody needs. And, you know, of course, how much did you spend? And, you know, it wasn't insignificant. It was around 10 grand. I bet they spent more money dealing with a complaint. Oh, my God. And so, of course... 10 grand, that's 10 it. Grand. We're talking about 10 grand. 10 grand. I mean, Who honestly, cares? look it up. It's the It's government. the biggest story that UKTI has had in the last 20 years. Yeah. Is that is that because yeah, you didn't have good PR to manage no, it? It's just, because you know once it's once it's a story like that, you know, it, the media loves press it. Press just right? loves it. It irritates me that journalists wouldn't have a duty to get to the bottom of this ten grand with a culture. This like what you've just said. It's like, oh, this isn't really a story. But that, is, but it, uh, it sells papers. Let's do it. Yeah, but the moment the moment it becomes a story, then you must be in the wrong, right? Yeah. So. I can't tell you how many, you know, I mean, eventually, and I'd only been there for a couple of years and I was trying to do the right thing and I was sort of, you know, lines to take and defending myself on all these balls. And then I remember waking up one day and I was like, there's nothing, yeah, there's, there's, I did nothing wrong here. You know, I actually did something that's good for the country. So this is the story. If you don't like it, like, whatever. Anyway, so this became massive. And, you know, there were moments where it was like, a, you know, you'd hear sort of these rumors going around, oh, well, this has got so bad that, you know, we're hearing that maybe, like, whoever was responsible for this is going to have to go. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay. I'm going to look up Danny um, Lopez, Gaul, but, well, and Ballgate. So, Ballgate, the great thing about all this is that my name somehow was never mentioned. So, I'm the guy who came up with the idea. I'm the guy that signed the budget. You heard it here first. I'm the guy, you know, all gentlemen. of that. And I completely admit it. the biggest it. exclusive we've ever but, had. But, yeah. but I wasn't a story. But, you know, Mandelson was. And, you know, oh, it went and, there, didn't and it? And it went there. And we had an amazing CEO um, at the time, Sir Andrew Khan, who, you know, to this day remains a good friend. And he was always like, look, you know, I'll always back you, so, you know, don't worry about it. And it was such a nice moment. I mean, this happened, I think, in 2007. I remember meeting up for him for lunch in sort of 2018, you know, so a decade later. And he's like, oh, I've got a present for you. And he produced one of these. Yeah! 
He is such a legend. I was going to say, what did you suggest at the next marketing meeting? I know it hasn't gone well, but I think it's football. Exactly. exactly. Footballs would be much better. And no one can carry them to act to England. I know. I know. But it was such a lesson for me because I was like, well, you know, if I lose my job over this, you know, fine. But actually, I would do it again in a heartbeat. In fact, I'd probably spend more money on it. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What do you think is the most, un- well, we could ask it either way. What do you think is most uncomfortable about being a civil servant? And then what's most uncomfortable about being a business CEO? Mm, wow, what great question. I think on the civil servant side, it sort of builds on what we've been speaking about because I have so much respect for the civil service. You know, they, they're so committed, they do an amazing job. Not everyone, but, you know, a lot of people do. And the ones that do a good job, you know, we're so lucky to have them, right? We, that's basically it. You know, we are fortunate to have a civil service that is as good as it is, attracting people of incredible intellect and caliber. I mean, it is amazing. I think the thing for me is... Um, it sort of builds on this golf ball story. One of the things that I thought was always such a shame is that the civil service is a little bit obsessed. And, you know, I understand with this whole, you cannot become the story. And, you know, what's the daily mail test here? You know, could, could this thing that we're doing potentially become a daily mail story? And if the answer is anything close to yes, don't do it. Because there's nothing worse than the Daily Mail running a story on a civil servant. I mean, that's basic because that's either career over or, you know, somebody's going to pay a big price. And so I always used to find that, you know, there was this sort of risk-averse attitude to Mm. everything when actually the majority of people had the capacity to do extraordinary all the time. And so that, I mean... We rest rest that on the media, do we? Well, it's just a bit of everything, isn't it? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's basically the way we're set up. It's the media, it's the political system as it is, is, you know, it's just the relationship between the civil service and the politicians, you know, it's a bit of, it's a bit of everything. But if you think about every public humiliation that we have in either civil service or politics, one screw up and you're done. You know, there's there's never this whole, oh, well, that was not great, but, you know, You can't move to the civil service across the street that does the same thing. Mm. So you end up in constant fudge. So you're always in this fear of like, oh, I kind of want to do this, but if it goes wrong, there should be be anonymity, therefore, for the civil service. Is that the principle of having MPs that take the bullet up the top? Although they tend not to take the bullet. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, some of them do, but then a lot of times you'll, you know, I'm sure you... Because they keep their job. They go to the backbench. Don't you can they? think of a lot of stories where you feel that the person who is responsible um, 
you know, never paid a price, right? And then there's always these sort of, oh, yeah, there was this civil servant who was responsible. You never really know who it was. And, you know. Danny Lopez. (laughs) Golf balls. Danny Danny. Lopez. His address is. Anyway. Uh, So that was the thing for me that, I, you know, it's, it, it's probably it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable not being able to be yourself. yourself exactly and how about in business then what's the toughest thing about that I think in business what do I find uncomfortable I, I mean I'm a very impatient person so um, I like speed and, and what things I find uncomfortable is when people just take what, worse than the civil service I, I isn't mean, the civil no. service way slower no no no, no, no. when really? things were good you could go at total pace yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always felt that that's a sort of total misconception. You know, you could you could operate oh. at a lot of speed. Business takes a long yeah. time. Big but business, business sometimes, you know, just oh, I don't know, you know what it's like. You know, you're waiting for a you don't a know what to do or this or that or that. And you know, I, I just I just find that um yeah, I find yeah. speed is the sort of, you know, or when people sort of but like what we were talking about earlier, you know, mega keen for three weeks and then disappear for eight. You know, that's unacceptable. Yeah, you know, relationships are all about you know, constant back and forth, not disappearing, honesty, transparency, but pace. And I think pace is one of the things that I find the most responsible. How interesting. Yes, in, in, in business, very much things stop and start. No one knows what the fuck they're doing, man. I mean, you, you know, how do you get from A to Z? I don't know. You know, so half the time people are sitting in their desk saying, oh, what was I supposed to But talk doing? about it. Have timelines, you know, just... Um, yeah, streamline or yeah. something. Get stuff done. No. You're either doing this or oh, well, doing this. Therefore, what you're talking about is procrastination. The, the problem in business on decision making, and then like there's arguments that we only have a certain amount of decision making a day, which is why Bill Gates and people all wore the same clothes, is that procrastinate, you know, the, the ability that if you look up in the brain, what happens when you procrastinate? It involves like every bit of the brain, or it can involve one bit. But the point is, it's highly complex why we hesitate or why we don't make a decision. You know, fear, this, that, and the other, and, you know, memory, uh, waiting for something to happen. And I think in business, if you're talking about why stuff doesn't, if you meet someone and you're thinking about doing business with them, kind of things get in the way, but you just, you, you're waiting for your mind to kind of go, yeah, okay. I mean, but okay. In, in the government, you've got a purpose, promote Britain. Yeah. But Isn't okay, it? so if you've got, um, you know, you're talking to your wife, husband, parents, you know, whatever, and you send them an email, you'd expect to get an email back in what? Depends. <laughs> email, he's done email. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Phone message, whatever. Phone, you you, 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 you yeah. make contact and you expect to get... She's going to fucking reply when she sees that. <laughs> yeah. She's going to kick off. <laughs> and you expect a reply yeah. right, within a day or two. Yeah. Okay, so my point is that should apply... In business. ...to everybody. It's not okay not to have replies and then somebody say, hey... Do you reply to everything in your inbox? I, not, yeah. not unsolicited, surely. No, not unsolicited. Okay, yeah, But yeah. anybody... I, I agree, know. I reply. Although, you know, you're contributing to this energy crisis now. They're like, people who reply, thanks for that, or got it, or whatever, like, contribute 20% I know he's of like... I just feel like it's, it's you know... Polite. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing I hate more than... I'm going to fucking spam the shit yeah. out of you and see if this is true. <laughs> no, but there's nothing I hate more than, hey, got your email... Sorry, I've been really busy. I'm really sorry that it took me eight weeks to reply. That's fucking but, irritating. You know, blah, blah. And yeah. I feel like more and more that seems to be okay. Acceptable. And, and it's, it's not. not. But everyone's got emailitis. I mean, the volume of emails okay, is Okay, uh, WhatsApp or whatever. You know, it's just yeah, this sort yeah. of whole, I just think that, you know, the world has to operate. I'm not saying, hey, reply within an hour. But you Actually, know, within two there, days, there is no, all these things are new and there's still acceptable? no established etiquette. In a couple of days. I mean, I'm not counting. I'm not, I'm not text, counting the sort of 47th hour. And starting to get nervous, but yeah, a couple of days. 
everything. Yeah. You reply socially and in business yeah. within two days. Absolutely. And what do you find most difficult in your job right now and how do you deal with it? Well, um, you know, it's the big responsibility of um, uh, being an employer. And we have, you know, what were we, 40 people when I started and we're now around getting close to 90. And, Very different and, culture. It's and, a big jump. Yeah, and, you know, Branded realizing... Golf, golf balls. No golf balls for us. No, 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 no. You should do that. <laughs> Class <laughs> ball. It'd be a great piece of PR. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's for me, that's the main thing. You know, you, you have... Managing people. Yeah, for me, it's all about people. I'm not a cyber... Um, I haven't been in cyber for 20, 25 years. I've been in cyber for, you know, just a few years. But at the end of the day, what do I see as my job? I bring out the best out of my people. And I've got some incredible engineering talent and product talent and marketing talent and sales. And, you know, I hope that I can apply all of my experience in government and business over the years to create an awesome culture where we're going to, you know, just succeed massively. But it's all about the people. It really, really is. So that's, I mean, that's, by the way, not an uncomfortable thing for me because that's what I enjoy the most. The uncomfortable thing for me is just, you know, you just realize there's pressure there because you want to you want to make sure you do really well for all the people who you employ and their families. And what, how do you bring the best out of people? What do you, how do you think you should approach people? You know, I think there's a certain leadership style. Everybody's different and there's no, yeah, I feel like there's no sort of right or wrong. But, you know, I think you can be a sort of, you know, a good, kind person wherever you can and try to, you know, create a sort of ethical environment that people recognize as, yeah, well, you know, that's something we can buy into. And I think that's important. Um, so I, I do take that, you know, extremely seriously. And I feel that, you know, that trust element is huge and I want to make sure that people buy into what they're doing, but they buy into me as their leader. What, what are you most excited about then for this business? Where this, where's it, oh, where I mean, it I going? just, it's, you know, I'm super excited because... Um, We've got really great traction right now in um, in the defense and intelligence space, particularly in um, in North America. But you know, we're seeing that in a number of countries internationally. You're still raising money, or we raised money. We did a you know what's I guess the equivalent of a Series A in twenty back end of twenty twenty. We raised um, eighteen million, um, and um, yeah, we've seen you know we've seen good growth over the last three years. Um, our product has evolved massively. Um, competition hiring, tough hiring really good people yeah competition is tough but you know as I said to you earlier you know, it's, it's kind of niche and um, there's a number of companies that do what we do and they do other things and my view is I don't do any other things I just want to do this and be the best in the world so I'm you know really, yeah, really yeah. focused I think that's important. in software being, I feel that's very important the, the dream of the thing that yeah. does everything it's always bullshit it's, it really is bullshit that does, so, does what it you yeah. know I, I basically want people to go I've heard of content design and reconstruction I love the concept who are the best players? Is Glasswell done? So, you know, where's it going to go? I mean, it's so Gartner say that content design and reconstruction is in at an adolescent stage and will be mainstream within three or four years. Mm. Obviously, that depends on people like us. We are the ones that need to make it mainstream. But it's a really exciting journey to be on. Massive, yeah. Where you can really take this to the masses. I'm thinking about a career change after this, I have to say. I just think about how funny it's going to become if it became really successful that the only things the hackers could do is put rude messages in your files. So instead you'd open a file and just say, fuck you, you bastard. <laughs> so uh, what would you uh, most like to change about the future? If you, could, if you could wave your magic wand or... Just leadership generally. Being oh, a bit oh. bad everywhere. It's <laughs> terrible. It's just Danny, you're saying all the things that we're just. And it's. I mean, you don't even sort of have to. You know. You, you know. 
Um, but I do, I do, I, you know, I raise it because I just think it's Why just, do you it's think such they're a, all shit? Well, I just, it's such a sorry state of affairs, isn't it? I mean, you sort of look around and you just think, yeah. My fundamentalist, oh, we terrible. don't They're pay enough. It's the quality of yeah, talent. Yeah, because normal nice people aren't going into I it. Know. And it's time, Danny, it's time. And it's not just here, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's all over the world. And I mean, it's every day that you pick up a paper and read some, you know, Crap. pathetic story about, you know, the MP that did this or they did that. And you're just like, okay, in an organization, of, this is what I always think, you know, I mean, how many MPs are there? Uh, 200 or whatever. I think it's a bit more, but you know, let's say it's 400. 400. Imagine any organization of 400. and Having that much and every day, every you're like, day. oh, it's this person did this and then they did that. And you're just like, okay, how bad are they? Danny, what has been the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Actually, it was from Tony Blair. So <laughs> I... <laughs> well, my best one. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know... It's something that was specific to my role in New York, but I've thought about it ever since. And I um, was he in power when you were? No, there? he wasn't. But he but was he popped in for but, tea. He, but he was visiting New York, and I got to have you know twenty minutes with him. And um, I said to him, obviously, I think it was sort of beginning of my time. I said to him, "Look, I just started. You spend years traveling the world and spend time with ambassadors and consul generals and blah blah blah." What should I be thinking about to do a good job? You know, from a prime minister's perspective, what's your definition of somebody doing a good job in these in these roles? And he did think it's not like he gave me a sort of instinctive stock answer. And he basically said, Well, Danny, you will find that you could work like a dog for five years and respond to every email and do whatever, you know, whatever anybody's asking you to do from London. And, you know, you're just reacting, 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 reacting. And actually, you probably could say you've done a really good job if you do all of that well, but you'll get to the end of the five years and think, what did I do? Like, what did I actually achieve during my five years other than react to everything that was coming your way? So spend a year in the role. And after a year, think about what you want your legacy to be. And then from that moment, spend 20% of your time only doing stuff that's about that thing you've identified that you want your legacy 20%. to be. 20%. Yeah. And you'll find, and, and his point was, you, you, nothing will change. You know, it's not like all of a sudden your standards will drop because you will make up that 20% and you will still do a good job. But then you will be focused on something. And I, I thought about it a lot. And after a year, I, I basically came to the conclusion that what I wanted my legacy to be was essentially helping tech and entrepreneurship in both directions. Nice. I, want, I want to support tech entrepreneurs, UK-based, doing stuff in the US and vice versa. And I spent 20% of my time doing that. Created a new team, created awards, created all these initiatives. And you know, if you asked anybody that worked for me, um, at that time, what did Danny achieve? They would always say, oh, you know, he was the guy that basically did loads to promote tech. And that's yeah, what people, yeah, that's yeah, what people yeah, say. Yeah. If Tony Blair hadn't told me to identify what I wanted my legacy to be, I have no idea what they'd say. They'd be like, oh, he was the guy who responded to emails within 48 hours. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your uh, top three reads, uh, podcasts, or for my vote, music, musical records, vinyl LPs, wow. and old money? So I, I'll, Danny's I'll, too young for no, that. No, I'll go for podcasts because I've honestly I've become obsessed with. Um, I love stories. Mm. 
And I just find podcasts, and I walk a lot. And I'm either on the phone talking to somebody or I'm listening to a podcast. And I love it. And the best, honestly, the best, the the three podcasts that I've been listening to recently, one was um, 13 Minutes to the Moon. And it's all about, you know, the the landing in 1969. Okay. And it's the whole story of, you know, kind of, how it came about, but it really focuses on the last 13 minutes, which were really dramatic and it could have gone they were almost way anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. So that was a really, really, I mean, just unbelievably compelling podcast. Then I, I listened to one recently, which I really liked called The Missing Crypto, I- the Missing Crypto Queen. Have you heard of that? No. There was that thing oh called One Coin. Oh my God, the woman. Oh my God, has- amazing. Oh, I haven't finished listening. So, so just the fact that in life, there are all these people that have pseudo lives and th- this woman that convinced everyone to give her, bill- I mean, she... She, like all their money. Like it was just, it was a crypto millions, scam. Millions. Missing crypto woman. The missing crypto the miss, queen. She, yeah. It was done by the BBC, I yeah. think. It was this thing called OneCoin. And, you know, if she you was If you remember like, Bitcoin, similar to when Bitcoin came out, there was OneCoin and this woman created this basically pseudo world. And it was the well, reason was why- Was there a cri- coin? There was a coin. N- well, there, there was in theory a coin, but there never was a coin. Yeah. Oh, she turtle, raised it, was it on turtle, the back it was, of a sort of ICO yeah, white paper. yeah. yeah. Which was never, there was no blockchain. There was money. no blockchain whatsoever. No one ever checked. Yeah. It was like a pyramid scheme. People yeah. gave millions, yeah. people gave their life savings. And then she disappeared. All around the like, world. Just like and that. And they still haven't found and her. And nobody have knows they? where she is. And the third one, which I am absolutely addicted to at the moment, is um, The Dropout. And it's the story of uh, Theranos, you know, the, um, the blood diagnostics company that was a Again, a total scam. Oh, um, the, Elizabeth uh, Holmes. Yeah, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh my God. It's such a good podcast. So, so good. Okay, so that brings us to our favorite part of the show the business versus bullshit quick fire round. D, cue the music. This is where we're going to reel off, Danny, a list of key terms. And all you have to do is tell us whether you think those, that term is business or bullshit. Okay, you ready? Mm hmm. Danny, this is very important, okay? Remember, we've got to be friends by the mm-hmm. way. So, number one, diversity quotas. Now, answer that, Danny, you've got to decide which hat you're wearing through this. Bullshit. Thing. Good boy, good boy. Yeah, okay. agree. Correct. We long, can long term, we'll get there, I think. <laughs> uh, Stand-up meetings. Bullshit. Caffeine. Caffeine? Caffeine. Yeah, I don't drink tea or coffee, so... Bullshit. Total bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, agendas, meeting agendas. Business. Okay. Hour long meetings. Bullshit. He's good, he knows his answers. Oh, yeah, Danny. Sprett. Well, I did, he did get the top job. Yeah, he yeah. got the fucking top job. You've uh, got to uh, know what you're doing. Office dogs. Business. Yes! Ah! He's <laughs> <laughs> got back in the net, Romeo. Carbon credits. Bullshit. Okay. Um, I like this. Uh, swearing in meetings. Well, obviously you like this. No, it's in. He's not saying. He's <laughs> I'm not here, saying. so it's business. <laughs> yeah, swearing <laughs> in meetings. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah. but Danny doesn't swear. Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah. That's why he's a diplomat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty Danny sure. does swear every so often, by the no, way. No, <laughs> not really. Pub lunches. Business. Well done. <laughs> B Corps, wherever the B Corp phenomena out of America. Oh, yeah, bullshit. Okay, very good. NDAs. Business. 
Unlimited holidays. Bullshit. Okay. LinkedIn. You know, can I talk a little bit about this? Yes. Yeah. Because actually, I've I've been on a bit of a journey with social media recently, and I've basically decided that pretty much all of it, at least for me, it's is bullshit. bullshit. But LinkedIn is the only one I've kept and I use, and I still feel that there's a well, there is loads of bullshit, but it's the one I've kept. It's the only one that I feel is actually helpful for me in terms of business. But what I find, I, what I hate is just the, I'm sure like as we all do, you know, this sort of social self-promotion. Oh, and I it's just like, you know, honoured, humbled, blah, oh, blah, blah. Fucking honoured and humbled. Yeah. You know. And, and, you know, on my way to work today, I saw this person who Virtue needed help. Signal. And then I decided to just, you know, not work that day, but help that person. Oh, and it's Jesus just like, Christ. Oh. Vomit. But I still think that LinkedIn is the one. Formal work clothes. I'd like to say you've come immaculate today. You've always been immaculate. I mean, there's it's a, it's a tough one because, you know. You miss Miami. <laughs> Uh, I, no, no, no. I, I just feel that um, formal for me is, you know, there's an element of it's not bad to you know, wear a shirt and blah, blah, blah. And I, You're I just a feel shirt like jacket. Make an effort. Yeah, make make an a effort. bit of an effort. You know? And I just, an I just find that sometimes this whole like, well, let's just keep it casual, which by the way means, you know, ripped jeans and some crappy t-shirts. Crap. No, don't yeah, don't show up to work. Well, that's right. the chat that I've yeah. been having today, which is to tell all those that we're looking to train as lawyers. Yeah. Look you the need part. to up your freaking game. Excellent. So that is the end of our quick fire round. Do you have anything you wanna anything you wanna promote? Well we can. So do you want your 30 seconds? Cybersecurity, huge issue. You need really good software to think about how you combat the bad actors. There's one player in town, it's called Glasswall. That's the company you want to protect yourself. The end. Oh, that's pretty it's good. exclusive, it's that's, exclusive. I thought you are going to be, you know, like, uh, you need one company, one man, all, one mission. All, all I can Danny tell you. Danny Lopez, James Bond is impersonator. Whatever Danny says he's going to do, it happens. Yeah. So he'll nail it, he'll nail it. Uh, very good. Uh, great stuff. So, Danny, if our listeners want to find out more about you, where, where can they find out you about you online? LinkedIn, apparently. LinkedIn? Daddy Lopez, glasswallsolutions.com. And I actually have a Wikipedia entry, which I kind of... Oh, I love it! What else? I'm, I'm currently Googling. Under his other name, Shirley uh, Stottlegolf. No, Daddy Lopez golf balls must be. <laughs> there are three Danny Lopez's, okay? Businessman. One, one was a boxer, or is a boxer? No, a former boxer. Yeah, this is you. This is the you. other one oh. is, a, is a Johnny Depp impersonator, not me. Really? Oh, the third is. one is me. Wikipedia. Yeah. Is the Johnny Depp impersonator? Uh, is he in London? I have no idea where he is. But anyway, anyway. we did discuss the Aquis Stock Exchange. We did. We, we talked did. about okay. it. You were drifted off. Yeah. Okay, clearly you, I did. You, you were doing off. some emails. Okay. <laughs> you got to get back to them in forty-eight hours. Can't fuck about. 
I won't talk to you anymore. Um, so there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Danny for joining us. Thank you to Juliet for being my sister and in this situation, my co-host. A big thank you to you, dear listener. And we'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a spare moment, do rate and review us, but you've got much more important things to do. So get on with your lives. And uh, to you, the <laughs> um, and that's it. Until next time, it's ciao.